If you love me, you will keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The word is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him, but you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live too. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. The one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father. I also will love him and will reveal myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you're going to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. The one who doesn't love me will not keep my words. The word that you hear is not mine, but is from the father who sent me. I have spoken these things to you while I remain with you. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. You have heard me tell you, I am going away and I am coming to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice that I am going to the Father, because the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you may believe. I will not talk with you much longer, because the ruler of the world is coming. He has no power over me. On the contrary, so that the world may know that I love the Father, I do as the Father commanded me. Get up. Let's leave this place. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Judas, not Iscariot. I think he like went to John while he was writing it like, I know we know, but can we make sure they know that I'm not the other Judas? Uh, I hadn't thought about that till today. That was Bible funny for me. I have thought about this idea, though. That if you love me, obey my command. I thought about that quite a bit over the last few years. Mostly because uh, I used to say I love Jesus, but I think I love the idea of Jesus more than I loved Jesus. I was somebody who said they loved Jesus, but didn't do what Jesus says to do. And Jesus seems to have a problem with that idea. Jesus seems to say, if you love me, you listen to me and you do what I say. At least three, four times in this text, he says that. If you love me, you will keep my commands. The one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. The one who doesn't love me will not keep my words. I've thought about this a lot, not only because of my own past, but also because I wrote a lot on the subject. It's something that interests me that I didn't quite understand how I could live for so long, living so confused, at the very least, disobedient, probably more accurately. So I wanted to study it. I wanted to understand it. How do people think about this? I don't know if you're surprised to know or not, 
But a lot of people have a lot of opinions about this idea. There's actually quite a few people that say, if you love Jesus, you don't have to obey obey what he commands. That shocked me. Like, I knew there were people that say they're good with Jesus, but then they really don't follow Jesus. They do a few Jesus-y things to kind of check off the box, but in reality, they don't know. They don't follow. They don't obey Jesus. I didn't know that people actually taught, you don't really have to obey him. I was shocked by that. And not just the random person here or there, but consistently in the scriptures, in the early church, in the Reformation, in the modern church, people say things like, obedience is good, but it's not necessary. Yeah, it's, it's good so you don't receive any like discipline in this life from the Lord, but it's not necessary. It's good because it helps your witness to others. It's good because you get more rewards in heaven, but it's really not necessary. And faith without works is dead really just means faith without works is unseen, and so you want them to be seen. You don't want to have discipline from the Lord. So yeah, you should work out your faith with fear and trembling, but you don't really have to. And to say anything else, to say that those who really love Jesus really actually obey Jesus, that's like saying you have to obey Jesus to go to heaven. That's like works-based salvation. Haven't you read Ephesians 2? It's by grace that you've been saved, through faith. This isn't of your own. This is the work of God. Yeah, Jesus knew that text. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll hear me and you'll obey me. It's a hard text sometimes. It's hard not because Jesus was unclear, by the way. It was hard because uh, we have a magical ability to take things that are simple and make them not simple. We have a magical ability to take things that are clear and make them complicated, complex, not clear. Now, to be sure, there are things in the Bible, there are things about God that are complex, that are complicated, that are hard to explain. Uh, My daughter, I think every other week, just to make sure she wants me to know how not smart I am, asks me about the Trinity, and every time I explain it, I'm like, I ever, have I ever thought about this before? Have I ever spoken about this? Because trying to explain it to my seven-year-old daughter, I feel like I don't understand it at all. How do I communicate something other than this one sentence that I memorized a long time ago in theology class, that there's one God who exists as three persons? Not like you, me, and Brixey are three different persons and three different beings, but God is one being who exists as Father, Son, and Spirit, right? So, so you get it now. <laughs> By the way, she keeps asking me, so I'm not doing a great job explaining. If you see my daughter, please explain the Trinity to her. That would be great for me. I'm going to do my best. I really am trying, I promise you. Um, there are things in the Bible, there are things about God that are mysterious, and they're beautiful, They're complicated, and sometimes you have to hold them in tension with one another. And we have to be okay just letting the Bible stand on its own. Today we're talking about the interplay, the integration of love and obedience. A related idea of faith and works. And it is crazy how the Bible seems to have a pretty clear teaching on this, but yet this is such a divisive topic. That we can take something that seems so clear and make it so complicated. And unclear. My hope today is that we do a couple of things. Number one, that each of us, me included, come here as students of the word. That we approach the text with humility. Believing that Justin's words, that our words, that 
my opinions, that our opinions sit under this. This holds an authority, a, a weight that I don't have. And so when this is different than my words or my opinions, my thoughts, I want to change them to be more of God's words and God's thoughts. Hopefully we all have that attitude for here. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to look at a lot of verses from this to help us better understand how love and obedience, faith and works work together to give us a better picture of who God is and what he expects of us as his people made in his image. The other thing I want to do, my commitment to you, is to try to be clear. To not make cloudy this thing that Jesus says, if you love me, you obey me. So no matter where we go today, remember that. If you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you will love your neighbor as yourself. You will want to know the precepts of the Lord and you will want to obey them. You will delight in his law because you delight in him. More and more so as the spirit makes you more and more like him. Don't forget that. Um, but there are some questions that come from this. Like, so if you love Jesus and you do what he says, what happens if I don't do what he says? What happens? Do I like lose my salvation because I disobeyed one of the commands of God? Is losing your salvation like a set of keys or a credit card that you can lose on a whim? You're in and you're out. Hope you have a good day. Hope you go to bed remembering to repent of everything that you've consciously done and unconsciously done every day. Hope you don't die before you've repented of that one sin that you forgot last Tuesday. So do you become more like Jesus? And if you become more like Jesus, will there become a time when you won't sin anymore? Like, will I actually be perfect? Be holy as you're Father is holy. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Is there going to come a time when I won't sin anymore? And what's the difference, if there is a difference, between a true Christian, a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Christ who sins, and somebody who claims Christ and yet walks in darkness? Are we just splitting hairs? Are you doing the thing you said you weren't going to do, trying to make things more complicated than the Lord wanted them to be. I promise you that is not what I'm trying to do. I'm just telling you how I've thought about it over the last 12 years, 20 years. If I, if I were to guess, I would bet some of you have asked some of those same questions, struggled with some of those same things because you keep thinking you really love the Lord and you keep failing, falling into a sin again and again, over and over. You you really believe in the Lord. You really love the Lord, and yet you keep seeming to disobey the Lord. So are you a Christian? Do you have the Holy Spirit inside of you? What we don't want to do is create an unnecessary angst within ourselves to always be questioning our faith. No, actually, Jesus seems to say you, you will actually know that if you're one of mine based on your fruit, based on your life, the things you say, the things you do. John, as he writes his epistle, not this gospel, says, you'll know. It's obvious. Those who walk in light and those who walk in darkness. So I promise you that we can know. We don't have to live in angst. And if you live in angst, take heart that the word of God is here to help you. So let us sit 
humbly under the word of God as we go down this journey today. Here is the first thing that we need to hold in tension as we move through, and it's the obvious one. Tension number one, truth number one, if you love Jesus, you will obey Jesus. If you love Jesus, you want to hear from Jesus, you want to mimic Jesus, you want to say things Jesus said, you want to do things Jesus did, you don't want to do things Jesus said not to do. That one's the clear one. That one's the simple one. Uh, It's backed up a lot in Scripture, actually. Jesus says back in chapter 8, verse 51, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Never. If you keep my word, you will not die. Though you die, yet you will live. You're only sleeping. Those of us who are in Christ will not see death because we love Jesus, we obey Jesus. We will not see death. We have resurrection now and forever. 1 John 1, 7, if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. This is how we know that uh, we know him. If we keep his commands, you can know if you know him. You know by if you keep his commands. This is how we know we are in him. We have union with Jesus, that we have a union, a mystical union with God that we are in him is the one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. Do what Jesus did. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God and everyone who loves the Father also loves the one born of him. This is how we know that we love God's children. When we love God and obey his commands for this is what the love of God is. You want to know what the love of God is? John tells you, is to keep his commands. That's it. It's not just some kind of mental ascent. It's not just repeating a phrase in your head. It's not just saying something out loud. Well, those all happen as you come into union with Jesus. But actually, it's also obeying the things he says to do. If you love him, you will obey what I command. John also writes in his last letter, the Revelation, in verse one of or chapter one, verse three, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep what is written in it. Because Jesus' time to return is near. Look, I'm coming soon. This is the end of the book. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Look, I am coming soon, and my reward is with me to repeat, repay each person according to their works. Ooh. Does it make you uncomfortable at all that you and I are less comfortable talking about love and obedience, faith and works, than Jesus seems to be? Is that weird at all to you? That somehow we have muddied something that Jesus, that God seems to make clear from Old to New Testament? Then when he speaks, he expects us to listen. That when he tells us to do something, he actually wants us to do it, expects us to do it. I find that strange. Not too strange because I know my own heart. I know that our hearts are deceitful above all things. I know us as people. We have a propensity to do what we want. We have a desire to please ourselves above all else, many if not most of the time. That's our inclination. 
But God is holding up something different. He says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. That's the first tension we need to hold, truth we need to hold. Here's the second one. You ready? If you love Jesus, you will obey Jesus imperfectly until he returns or calls you home. When Jim told me this about 12 years ago, I did not like it. If I'm supposed to be holy as a father is holy, and I have the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in me, then I, in theory, should be able to not sin any longer at some point. Anyone else a perfectionist out there in all the things? I didn't know I was until, I think, maybe that conversation. Oh, that's tough. Because, again, it just kind of feels like I'm splitting hairs. That if I love Jesus, I will obey Jesus imperfectly. Until he comes back, wipes away all death and sin and disease and decay, or he calls me home to be with him. That is a tough reality. So I didn't want to leave it to like my own subjective opinion. I went and asked a couple of very holy people today, one of whom I will name because she's no longer here, the other I will not because I already test this person's holiness enough, and if I reveal the, char- the name of this person, I don't think he'll talk to me for at least a day and a half. So, uh, Miss Genevieve, she sits right outside the offices every Sunday. Every Sunday, unless she is like in a hospital bed or no, it's, there's ice and no one came to pick her up. She's here. She is here. I don't know how she drives still. I'm going to be honest with you. It's amazing. That is a miracle from the Lord, but I'm so glad she's here. Known her for a long time. Known her faith for a long time. And as I thought through, who is the holiest person I know? She was the very first person that came to my mind. And I wanted to ask her and this other person some questions, like, how long have you been indwelled by the Holy Spirit? 75 plus years. Wow. This other guy, seven years. Seven years. Uh, so I asked them, have you sinned since then? Okay, think back, how long have you had the Holy Spirit inside of you? Okay, you got the number. Have you sinned since then? I can tell you my answer, and I can guess yours. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so Miss Genevieve, you've been following Jesus. You've got the Spirit indwelled within you for 75 plus years. Have you sinned recently? Like maybe you did back in your 30s, but it's been a while. Yeah, I have. Most of my sins are of my thoughts these days, but I do sometimes sin. I ask them both if they feel like they sin more or less or about the same than when they first started following Jesus. Ms. Genevieve admitted, yeah, I, I I do sin less. This other guy said, I don't know if I sin less or more, but I can tell you I'm much more aware of my sin than I used to be. As I walked away from both those conversations, I just smiled because they were teaching me what I have already read in the scriptures based on these things. They're teaching me, they're reminding me of the truths that Jesus talks about, that John writes about, about how we as followers of Jesus, who love Jesus, who want and do obey Jesus, do it imperfectly. Um, Reality is, this is a, a, it's a tension. Because this next point, we've gone from the good to the bad to maybe the ugly, what we're about to say. Is going to feel real strange 
Okay, the third truth that we have to hold in tension is that if you say you love Jesus and refuse to obey Jesus, then you actually don't love Jesus. Don't argue with me, argue with Jesus. John 14, 24. If you don't keep my commands, you do not love me. You don't. Quit pretending. Quit acting like you can pull one over on God. He knows your heart. You know that, right? He knows if you love him. You can't pretend. And actually, imperfectly, we can know too. A tree is known by its fruit. The church community recognizes sin. It's part of our job as a loving kindness toward you to help you see sin in your life as well. We can know, according to John. It's pretty obvious, according to John. The reality is, if you say you love Jesus and refuse to obey Jesus, you don't love Jesus. Here's what the Bible says. 1 John 1, 6 If we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we are lying and not practicing the truth. The one who says, I have come to know him and yet doesn't keep his commands is a liar. And the truth, who's the truth, is not in him. This is how God's children and the devil's children become obvious. Whoever does not do what is right is not of God, especially the one who doesn't love his brother or sister. If anyone says, I love God, and yet hates his brother or sister, refuses to obey the second greatest commandment, he is a liar. For the person who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Jesus gets involved. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. Not everyone who does things that look on the surface to be of God will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Only the one who does the will of my... Who's my mother, Jesus said? Who's my sister, my brothers? The people who share my DNA? My house? No. The one who... My family is actually those who do the will of my Father in heaven. That's who I'm going to share a home with forever. Those who do the will of my Father, just as I'm doing the will of my Father. Those are my brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers. James, the brother of Jesus, says, Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourself. You hear it, you don't do it, you're deceiving yourself. You think you are good with God, you're not good with God on God's terms. James 2, 15 through 17, if a brother or sister is without clothes, lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, stay warm, be well, adios, you didn't, and you don't give them what the body needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith, if it does not have works, is dead by itself. You don't like what James says there? You know where he got that? He got that from his brother. He heard him say it. We read about it in Matthew chapter 25. As Jesus is judging separating sheep from the goats. These sheep are those who actually showed kindness to the least of these in our world. Acts of love, simple things that Jesus said to do, that God says to do. Those the goats that are cast off into eternal judgment, those are those who actually didn't do those things. You, you saw me naked, you didn't clothe me, you saw me hungry and thirsty, you didn't give me something to eat or something to drink. 
Depart from me. I never knew you. When did we see you, Lord? Come on. (laughs) You saw me when you saw the least of these. Depart from me. I never knew you. Why? Because if you love me, you will obey what I command. If you don't love me, you won't obey what I command. It's pretty clear. It's pretty straightforward. So then what is the difference? If you're tracking with me, we're at that point where we need to figure out what's the difference. What's the difference between the Christian who sins, who disobeys, who has that thought that runs away, has not been sanctified, submitted to the truth, who does what they know not to do, and the one who claims to be with Jesus, who claims to be part of the family of God, and yet walks in darkness. What's the difference? John actually helps us with this. We don't have to come up with this on our own. First John chapter 1, verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we, who is the we? Just random people? Believers? Yeah, believers. People who would say, I follow Jesus, disciples of Christ, Christians. If we confess our sins, you know what a prerequisite for confessing sins are? Is? It's having sin in your life. It's sinning. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, I am writing you these things so that you may not sin, but if anyone does sin, if anyone does sin, Genevieve sins, if I sin, if you sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He himself is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only ours, but also for those of the whole world. What's the difference? The difference is in Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are the poor in spirit, the humble, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. The difference is in Isaiah 66 too. The God who made everything and sees everything and holds everything all together. You know who gets his attention? All the things my hand has made. And so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Who is the Lord near? The Lord is near the brokenhearted. He saves those crushed in spirit. What's the difference between the Christian and the not a Christian? The one who has sinned and the one who walks in darkness. The difference is acknowledging sin within you. If you claim to have no sin, you make yourself and Jesus out to be a liar. You do. The first step is acknowledging sin in your life, and then actually it's pretty clear the next step. You confess sin in your life. Lord, I have sinned. I am a sinner. Forgive me, Lord. You are the only solution to my brokenness, to my sin, to my immaturity. Forgive me, Lord. You repent. You turn away from this walking in sin, and you turn toward the cross, the only payment for all sins, past, present, and future. The difference is Saul and David. Saul was made king and 
kept deciding to ignore what God told him to do. David committed adultery, murdered a guy, and yet was seen as a man after God's own heart because he acknowledged his sin and he confessed his sin. He turned toward the only one who could fix what was broken in him, who could heal and forgive what he had done. The difference is Judas and Peter, as Drew reminded us a couple weeks ago. Judas betrayed Jesus. Peter betrayed Jesus. Judas died in his sin, completely turned his back, refused to obey Jesus, turned to the cross to repent. Peter acknowledged his sin, confessed his sin, repented, turned toward the Lord. He went to the only true solution to his problem. The difference is Matthew 18, those that continue to have the church come to them and say, you have sin in your life, you need to repent and be reconciled, and who refuse to do that. And those who say, you're right, and I need your help. Brothers and sisters, we are Christians who love Jesus and desire to obey Jesus, but we're going to do it imperfectly. And that doesn't need to be something that causes us angst because the word has told us what to do to acknowledge that sin, to confess that sin, to turn away from that sin and toward Jesus. Paul reminds us that, so does that mean we can just keep on sinning? It doesn't really matter then if we just keep on sinning? No, don't do that. Romans 6.1, shall we go on sinning so that grace may abound by no means? Don't you know that when you're in these waters, Don't you know that when you went down into the water, you died to your old life of sin, and when you came out, you were risen and given new life now and forever so that you can walk now in the newness of life. Don't you know that? You've been crucified to your old life of sin. Now live this new life in Christ because guess what? We've gone through the good, the bad, the ugly. I've got more good. Good thing is, God doesn't expect us to obey Jesus' commands by our own will, by our own power. Actually, God loves you so much that he gave himself to you. His spirit poured out into our hearts so that we both have the ability and the desire to obey him now. You, Christian, who love Jesus, who want to obey Jesus, can obey Jesus because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in you. And you have a new desire. As you delight yourself in the Lord, he gives you the desire of your heart, which is more and more of him. You delight yourself in the law of the Lord, of the precepts of God, the instructions of God. It's like a light to your path that you know where to go in this dark and broken world. Matthew 11, chapter 28. One of my favorite verses in the scriptures says this, come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke, I'm asking you to obey me. My yoke, following me, is easy. My burden is light. We may think that it's a burden. We may think that it's a hindrance that we would be constrained to do the things that God wants us to do, but actually the one who made you, the one who holds you together, the one who knows and is bringing about the future, he knows what's best for you. 
And he wants what's best for you. And he's giving you everything you need to live the life that you were created to live. 1 John 5, 3, for this is what is God's love. It is to keep his commands and his commands are not a burden. Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, how happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction and he meditates on it day and night. Psalm 119, 174, I long for your salvation, Lord, and your instruction is my delight. When Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey what I command, that is not a burden. That is an invitation to the peace that he alone can give. My peace I give to you. My peace I leave to you. Just think about this. As you love Jesus, as you desire to follow Jesus, and the Spirit invades your heart, it evicts things like anxiety. It kicks out things like fear and worry so that you are settled so that you continue to learn to walk in this newness of life, so that you become more and more holy as time goes on, more and more like him until the day that he returns or calls us home. He has given us everything we need in the Spirit of God. He has given us everything we need in the Word of God and the people of God to actually obey him, both the ability and the desire. Listen to these things that are from Jesus' own words. Here's what you get if you love and obey Jesus. You receive God's loving gift of the Holy Spirit. You're no longer a slave to sin. You're no longer spiritually dead. Fear, anxiety, and worry are evicted from your heart. And you get to live for the rest of eternity in this mystical, beautiful communion with God. You can have now intimacy with the God who made you, whose image you are made in. And this reciprocated love with God lasts forever. He loved us first, and he showed his faithful love to us by sending the Son of God. He showed his love for us again by sending the Spirit of God. And we reciprocate that love by showing faithful, steadfast love to him. And that will go on and on and on forever. We have so many good gifts from the God who made us and who loves us. So when he says, if you love me, you obey me, that's not a burden. That is a joy. That is a delight. And we may do it imperfectly, but brothers and sisters, we have an advocate who right now stands before the Father mediating on your behalf. So when you confess your sin to him, your sin to him, he is faithful and just to cleanse us from all wickedness and to forgive us of all unrighteousness. What I want to do to, to close our time before we go into our time of sharing at the Lord's table through communion is just pray. Just pray that John 14, 15 through 31 would be true of us. Pray that there, if there's anyone in here that does not love Jesus, you would acknowledge that, confess that, and repent and turn to him. There's no better day than today. Let's pray. God, we thank you for today. We thank you that we have the opportunity to worship you, to come together with brothers and sisters who do your will, to sing praises to you, to hear from your word, to encourage each other, 
at times to rebuke each other and call out sin within each other. Lord, thank you for the gift of your spirit. Thank you for the love you've shown us by dwelling within us now and forever. Help us to become more and more aware of that. Lord God, we do love you. Thank you for giving us your spirit so we can obey what you say. Amen. So now, as an act of love toward the God who first loved us, we participate in communion. We gather together around the Lord's table. There's cups there in the back if you haven't gotten one. There's a piece of bread in the bottom and a cup on top. These things represent Jesus' body that he indwelled and the blood that he spilled. We take this on a weekly basis, those that love Jesus, because we are thankful for what he's done. So if you're thankful, take and eat. And if you love Jesus, take and drink. Let's worship. Let's worship.